All right, so by way of introduction, we are going to be looking at 1 Timothy. So we're going to start by looking at the man of Timothy. Who is Timothy? Um, what was his role in the early church? And then we will kind of move through some of these introductory things. So, Timothy, um, where is he? Where do we hear of him outside of the letters addressed to him? Well, we first meet Timothy in Acts 16. We read this starting in verse 1. Paul went first to Derby. So, 16 is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. He's gone out, he's planted churches, he's already done a trip, and now he is heading out to, on his second trip. He first goes to Derby, then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So when we meet Timothy, what has happened in, verse, in chapter 15 is Paul and Barnabas are about to head out on their second trip, and they have a disagreement about a man named John Mark. At some point in the first trip, John Mark decided the trip was too hard, and he abandoned John and ba Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas wants John to come, Paul does not. They have a disagreement, and they go their separate ways. Paul takes Silas with him, and he gets to Lystra, and he finds Timothy, who is a young man. An interesting point about Timothy is that we, say, we read that his mom was a believer, but we find out in the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy that actually his grandmother was a believer as well. So even early on in this young church, we have a third-generation believer, which is phenomenal. The church has not been around that long, but we have already this family heritage of following Christ, loving Jesus, and, uh, and it's awesome. And as we continue to read on in the passages, Paul uses some really interesting language when he talks about Timothy, because he starts writing letters to some of the other churches over the course of the trip, and Timothy consistently comes up. So look at what, how Paul describes Timothy. 2 Corinthians 1.1 this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother, Timothy. So they're close. He considers Timothy to be a brother. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to all his holy people throughout Greece. Philippians 1.1, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. So he recognizes that him and Timothy are both servants. Bond servants is probably a more, in, more accurate um, description of what of the word that Paul uses, but he is a slave to Christ. In Romans 16, Timothy, my fellow worker, so Paul considers Timothy to be an equal in the ministry. He's not a subordinate. He's not less. He is my fellow worker. He is my equal in leading and administering. 1 Corinthians 4.17, that's why I sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child. And we start to get an idea that Paul, that Timothy is not just a friend, he's not just a brother, but he, Paul has taken Timothy under his wing and considers him to be his son. 1 Corinthians 16.10, when Timothy comes, don't intimidate him, he's doing the Lord's work just as I am. And in 1 Timothy 2, in both letters, Paul writes to Timothy, he says this, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. 
May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. He, right out of the gate, he is acknowledging that you are not just someone I've mentored, you're not just someone I've crossed paths with, but I consider you to be my son. And this is really significant because we, when we meet Timothy, we discover that his father is a Greek. And usually when New Testament authors use that language, he's not saying that he's a Greek believer. He's, he's a Greek. So he's still following his idols. He's still following the other gods. He does not agree with mom and his son in their faith. And so Paul steps into that Christian father role. And I said at Father's Day that our community and our 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 society needs more men, need more parents to step into those father and mother roles. Our kids are so desperate for that influence, so desperate for that instruction and that care that comes from an honorary parent or an honorary, however you want to describe it, they need that instruction. Our kids crave it. And so often parents are distracted, not all parents, some, we have some really great parents, but some parents are distracted by work or hobbies or whatever, and the kids are just there, but they're not getting the investment that they so desperately need and so desperately crave. And so my first question for you to discuss at the table is, did you have someone outside of your parents that invested in you? Is there someone in your life that you look back and you're like, that person was like an honorary dad in my life or or they just and it could be a coach it could be a pastor it could be a mentor it could be a teacher whatever but is there somebody as you look back you're like you know what i'm who i am today because this person took the time to invest in me so take five minutes and if you have something to share share it if you don't no worries then you get to talk brag about your parents for five minutes but uh anyways take a few minutes discuss at your table <laughs> okay I don't mean to cut anybody off, but just for the sake of time, keep moving. Uh, so this is Timothy. He is one of Paul's most trusted inner circle people. He loves him as a son. And, uh, but now we want to look at the church of Ephesus. So what we discover um, over the course of the second missionary journey, uh, Paul sends Timothy back to the church in Ephesus. And it's no coincidence, I don't think, that we looked at Ephesians last summer. So I expect everyone to remember everything I said for the last... Michelle's already laughing. She's like, forget that noise. Um, and I can't even take credit for planning it that way. That is just God's divine guiding because I was not, I don't plan that far ahead. Um, so what do we see in the church of Ephesus? We read through the, the letter to the, that Paul writes to the Ephesians really quickly, and there's two themes that begin to emerge. The first major theme that emerges is this idea of truth. Ephesians are being bombarded by these false gospels. They're being bombarded by the thoughts of the world. And Paul steps in. He's like, you are children of the light. You're children of the truth. And don't abandon the gospel that I taught you. Don't abandon the man Jesus that I introduced you to. Um, but hold on to the truth. Hold on to these things that I have passed on to you. The other thing that emerges very quickly is the idea of unity. The church in Ephesus was very divided, um, bit, some, some from background, some from heritage. Just, just a lot of things were working to cause division in this church. And so Paul starts using words like you need to fight for unity. You need to fight for peace amongst you. You need to fight for your relationships. 
And we hear those things, truth and unity, and we look at today's church and nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. Because let's be honest, there's more to divide us than unify us at times. It feels like we have lots to fight about. We have lots to disagree about. There's just lots working against us. And it's easy to forget that actually the spirit in us that led us to salvation, that makes us new, is actually the one thing, the only thing that we need to be united because we're united in Christ. We are of the same body, and the body works better when it's all working together. And so the same words apply for us, and Paul's going to tell Timothy in the letter, you need to encourage them to stop fighting. They need to be united. They need to fight for peace. They need to, they need to work on this. And the other thing that he's going to tell Timothy is you need to teach the truth, because there's only one truth. And it is not this subjective, and this is what we're seeing in the world, right? It's what, what's what I believe, it's, it's, how I make, it's how it makes me feel, it's subjective. It's, and, and God comes in, he's like, no, truth is objective, and I am the source of all truth. And anything that disagrees with what I am teaching, what I am about, is not truth. And so Paul calls the Ephesian church, and he calls Timothy, and I think he continues to call us today to grasp onto the truth of the gospel, the truth, to hold on to the truth of God's word, and to not let go, but to let it be our only truth, to be the thing that guides us and leads us and builds us up. And so your next discussion question that I have for you, I have two. If, if we are called to be a unified, if we're called to be in unity, how can we protect the unity in our relationships? And not just in our church relationships, but in our marriages, in our friendships, at our work. How can we be the, the, the peacemakers in our groups, in our social circles? How can we be the ones who fight for unity? And the other thing is, is how can we protect our minds and our hearts from falling into deception? We are bombarded constantly through social media and all media, really, with everyone's version of the truth. So how can we guard ourselves against the lies and hold on to the, tr the one and only truth that really, truly matters? Um, take a couple minutes, discuss. You pick one. Um, discuss at your table. Alrighty. For the sake of time, I know you guys are having some good discussion. I hit some big questions, and I don't want to interrupt it. But we will bring it to a close, and don't rush off this morning. If you want to stick around, I gave you lots of questions to discuss. So make sure you just kind of stay seated, prepare, and uh, yeah. Anyways, to close, major theme in Timothy. First uh, Timothy 4.12, probably one of the most quoted verses out of Paul's letter to his son, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Um, and what we're going to discover in this letter is Paul is writing to his son and his son is discouraged. His son is facing some really big challenges and he's getting ready to throw in the towel. And Paul identifies that one of the reasons he's discouraged is that he's young and people are not taking him seriously. 
And I think we can all relate to this. And maybe it's not youthfulness, but there's probably there's something maybe in our life that we feel is standing between us and our goals, standing between us and our ambitions. Maybe there's a relationship that's just not quite where it needs to be, or there's an opportunity that we either are looking at, but it seems impossible, or an opportunity that has passed, and we look back at it with regret. The reality is, is that we understand the idea that we face challenges, and it's easy to get in that idea of throwing in the towel. And whatever your challenge is, I hope that you are encouraged as we go through Timothy, because you don't have to give up, because you're not in it alone. Whatever your challenge is, we serve a God that's bigger than your challenge. We, like we said during the resurrection message, that even when the things seem dead, we serve a God who brings the dead back to life. And so Paul is going to write to his son, he's like, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. He's going to encourage him, he's going to speak life into him, he's going to remind him of promises that were made. And as a good father and as a good mentor, he's going to give him tips to succeed in the ministry that he's been given. And so we're going to see him instruct and we're going to see him give him some ideas of things to focus on. And as we go through, I hope that wherever you're at, whether you are the one who is facing a challenge that you just seems too big, or you're the one that's on the sidelines cheering somebody on, I, I know that you will take something from this passage because you are not the definition of whatever is standing in your way. You're not held back. You're not limited by anything other than the truth of God. And God says that I am here. I want to grant you the desires of your heart. I'm going to go before you in all of your challenges, and I will help you along the way. When I was a youth pastor here years ago, Louie and I used to say that everybody, in, everybody needs a Paul in their life. You need that mentor. You need someone who's gone before you and can instruct you and encourage you. But everybody needs a Timothy. And if you've never mentored anybody, let me tell you, it's one of the most challenging things in life because they're like three-year-olds. Why? Right? They just keep asking why until you run out of answers. And that can be frustrating, but it can also be challenging and encouraging because it gives us a reason to find answers that maybe we didn't know we needed to be looking for. Everybody needs a Paul, and everybody needs a Timothy. And so to close off, I want you to think about... I've given you a long list of questions. Is there something that you've always wanted to pursue and didn't? What holds you back? What do you find holds you back in life? How could a mentor or a spiritual parent help you in that? Do you know who that is that could speak that life into you? And maybe you're at the other stage. Maybe you're you're advanced and you've you've solved all the world's problems and you're ready to pass your wisdom on to somebody who's younger. So who is that person that God has put in your life that you can mentor, that you can come alongside and encourage and build up and and walk through life with and help them with the challenges that they're facing? We all need a Paul, and we all need a Timothy. So who are those people for you in your life? Um, And we're going to just close with that. I'm going to get the guys in the back to just turn on some music quietly. We won't sing. Take your time, work through those questions, go back to some other questions if you want, but um, I'm just going to close with you discussing the questions at the table.